I have to say, this is one of my favorite, my favorite services, is coming out um, here, here and, um, as Becca said, seeing people uh, make, a, make a public profession of what's happened in their life because of Jesus. So, here's what happened. I was getting ready in the, for the, in the last two weeks for what I was going to do today. Today was going to be part whatever in our uh, Spirit Wars thing. And I had a, a Star Wars quotes already. I had my Yoda shirt all ready to go. And partway through the week, God said, we're going to do something different. It's like, no, this is really good. <laughs> and he said, we're going to do something a little bit different. And so I want to walk through a passage. It's probably, I, I know this is squeaking, and it's not driving you anywhere near as crazy as it's driving me right now. There's a glare that's causing it to be hard to see down here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I just want to walk through a passage of Scripture that for me is one of my favorites that has to do with baptism. We talk, we talk a lot about baptism here, and what baptism is is we just do it the way the Bible says to do it. All throughout the New Testament, I, I looked it up last week, there's like, there's like 10 or 15 different places where it says they believed and were baptized, they believed and were baptized, they repented and were baptized, and that's how it always worked. They, they believed and received Jesus as Savior, and then they were baptized. And in the New Testament, they were always baptized by dunking them under and bringing them back up because that pictured the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It also pictures the fact that we, if we follow Jesus, we've died to ourselves. We're now living for Jesus. And so what it is, it's just, it's an incredible outward picture of what's already happened inside. And so this is, a, this is one of the stories about that that I really love, and I'm going to warn you ahead of time. It's, there's some awkward parts, and I'm not really sure what to do with that. So we're just going to go with the awkward parts, and, and parents, you're going to have to explain things to your kids later, all right? Just tell them, I'll tell you about that later. And I was going to say, you'll thank me. You won't thank me. Okay. So this is early on. This story is early on in the history of the church. Paul is actually still Saul persecuting the church, but he's not a player in this right now. And the, the apostles, the disciples, they're, they're going all around because there's persecution. They're being scattered, and where they're scattered, they're preaching about Jesus. Areas that might not have heard about Jesus. The, the people who were not Jews that knew nothing about anything are hearing about Jesus because of this. And one of the disciples who's going around telling people about Jesus is Philip. And he just has this amazing experience where all of these people in Samaria, who the, the Samaritan and the Jews never got along real well, but a lot of the Samaritans came to Jesus and got saved, and some people who nobody expected to get saved got saved. And it was very exciting, a lot of great things happening. And right after that, it says this in Acts 8. Now an angel of the Lord, an angel is an angel, it's a messenger, that's what angel means, it's messenger. And at this particular time, God used this angel to come to Philip and to give him some directions. And it says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, and then just so that he doesn't screw up, the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's like a heavenly GPS. He didn't just say, I want you to go there. He told him what road, which, where it was, where it went. Here's how you go. I don't know if he had to say recalculating or turn left here or whatever, but he's telling Philip, here's where I want you to go. And Philip's like, 
if he if 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 he's anything like me, he's like, well, why would I do that? You know, a desert road. There's not very many people on a desert road. All right, but wouldn't it be nice to get that specific of guidance? To have God just say, okay, Tim, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go this way, turn left, go a couple blocks, turn right. Here's what I'm going to have you do. That would be great. You know what? The closer you are to Jesus, the clearer the directions are. The easier it is to hear his voice, like we talked about last week. The easier it is to be guided with his eye. And in this particular time, an angel said, here's, here's what I want you to do, Philip. The next verse says, so he started out. And that's a good thing. When God tells you to do something, start out. Philip didn't know everything. He knew what road he was going on. He didn't know where he was going. He just knew what road to be on and which direction to be going. Had he been in Minnesota, he'd probably had to check the construction. I'm sorry, God, I can't go that way. That lane is closed. They're doing the zipper and it's not working well. But it said he started out and on his way, something happened. Something that not only affected him in his life, it radically changed someone else's life and very possibly an entire region of the world because he obeyed. So when God tells you to do something, you don't know what the result is going to be. You just obey, you do it, you start out, and then things will happen on the way, and that's what happened. It said on the way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. And I'm trying really hard right now to not say inappropriate things and, and to, to laugh where I shouldn't. But I, I'm sorry, this is just a little bit funny to me. In those days, if, if you don't know what a eunuch is, ask your parents. What I told Julian, and I would never say this in church, but I'm not in church, I'm out in the park. <laughs> Takes no balls to be a eunuch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm I wasn't going to say that. Erase that. In those days, that was something that happened. They did that to people so that they could trust them in certain settings. It just, it's, not, it's not like in our culture, it's like you look at, here's the requirements for the job. It's like, okay, I think I'll be looking at another job here. This guy was, he, uh, he was a big deal. Very important, this Ethiopian eunuch guy. We don't even know what his name is. It says, he was an important official in charge of all of the treasury. And in this translation, it says of Candake. Some of them say Candace. It's not a name. It says, that means queen of the Ethiopians. Here's what happened. In that region, it's that present-day Ethiopia, but it's still like by Egypt and northern Africa and totally different culture than Philip's. They had the king, who was kind of considered like Pharaoh, almost like a god, um, way above running the government or anything. So you know who ran the government? His mom. That was the queen of Ethiopia. It was the king's mom. But she was literally in charge of everything. She put this guy in charge of all of the finances of the kingdom. So he's a pretty important person. And Philip now runs into him because it says Philip started out, he was on his way, he met this Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man, it says, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he was, he was trying to follow God. He was trying to follow Yahweh, Jehovah. He didn't know all the answers. Nobody else in his land would have been thinking that because they did something totally different religiously. But this guy was looking for the truth. 
And it's interesting because in the Jewish religion, somebody who was a eunuch was not allowed to be in the temple, in the Lord's assembly. They were excluded. So this guy was kind of stepping out, but he was trying to find the answers. And it says he was on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And it would be easy to say, wow, what a coincidence. And there are no coincidences. He had this going for him. This was a big deal. He was reading the Bible. He was looking for the truth. That's where you go for the truth. We could take a lesson from this. I don't mean read while you're driving. That's not a good thing to do. It says he was in his chair, but somebody else was driving. Uh, you'll see that down in verse 38 in a couple minutes. Just a minute, I get this ant. My tablet has a bug. <laughs> no, forget it, I'm sorry. So anyhow, verse 29. So an angel had told Philip to do this. Now it says in verse 29, the Spirit, now the Spirit is going to talk directly to Philip. And he says to Philip, it's very interesting, go to that chariot. And the word that, like this chariot or that chariot, it, it, in, the, in the original, it's very much emphasized. Go to that chariot and stay near it. And I've always wondered, how did, how did the Holy Spirit do that? You know, he's a spirit. He couldn't point. How did he? There's a lot of chariots there in this entourage, and the spirit very clearly communicates somehow with Philip go to that chariot, pretty specific directions, and stay near it. So here's what Philip did. Verse 30 Philip ran up to the chariot. So there's horses and chariots on this road, and then there's Philip running. So he's, he's running. He runs up next to this chariot which held this very important person. He could have gotten serious trouble for this. But he runs up, and as he runs up, he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. It's because in that day, most of the time when they read, they read out loud, which is not a bad thing to do when you're reading the Bible. It helps you read and hear at the same time. But he hears him reading Isaiah. And Philip then takes the opportunity. And he says, hey, up there, do you understand what you're reading? This is a good example of just starting up a conversation. He didn't run up to the chariot and say, You need Jesus! You're dying and going to hell! He didn't say that. He just said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the guy said, How can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Again, this is a big deal. This is very high official to do this. It was probably easier to understand than Philip running, Philip running next to the chariot trying to explain it as he's out of breath. But this... It says in verse 32, this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. It's from Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And some of you, this sounds familiar because it sounds like he's talking about Jesus. It is. It says in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? It's talking about Jesus and the suffering servant and predicting 800 years before Jesus came. Here's what it was going to be like when he, was, when he died. Here's how he was going to die. Here's what was going to happen. They were going to do this to him and he was not even going to respond. And you read through the New Testament account and it's exactly what happened. So that's the passage that this Ethiopian eunuch was reading. And it says in verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Who's Isaiah talking about? Himself or somebody else? And then Philip does what we all should do. He starts where people are at. The guy has a question. The guy is searching and he starts right where he's at. He doesn't talk about him being from a different country. He doesn't talk about him having different religion in his country. He, do, he just starts where he's at. 
and verse 35, it says, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. You see, the Old Testament sometimes is hard to understand. You read it, and there's some goofy things, and it's kind of hard to read, but the Old Testament tells us about Jesus. Jesus told a group of people one time who were really into the Bible. He said, you kind of revere the Bible, and you look at the Bible, and it is very important because it's God's Word. But you know what? The whole Bible, Jesus said, points to me. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And so Philip started there. And Philip then began telling him the good news about Jesus. And what had happened not that long ago in Jerusalem. And then between verses 35 and 36, a lot happens. It just jumps right into 36. But there's a long discussion that goes on during this about Jesus. This guy hears the truth. He asks questions. Philip answers the questions. And during this time, this Ethiopian eunuch guy believes and receives Jesus that he really is the Savior. And we know that because of what happens next in verse 36. So they're, they're finishing up their discussion. They're traveling down the road. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch looked at Philip and he said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? You see, baptism, I mentioned this at the beginning, baptism is public identification with. It's surrender to Jesus and the work he's done for you, the salvation that he has for you. Now, there was no church present here. As far as we know, nobody else in this entourage going back to Ethiopia was a believer. But we have to remember, there was no church here, but this guy had nobody else. When he got back to his place, there wasn't going to be a church. There wasn't gonna, and he's going to take this opportunity. I'm going to just stand for Jesus now. I got somebody here that knows Jesus. He's, why can't he just baptize me right here? So this is his chance. Now remember, I told you he wasn't driving. That, here's how we know that in verse 38. He gave orders to stop the chariot. It's not like a voice-activated chariot. Somebody's driving it. He says, stop the chariot because there's water here. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, something amazing happened. It said the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. So picture this. Philip's running down the road. God says, that chariot. He goes to that chariot. He hears the Ethiopian reading from Isaiah. He says, do you understand that? No, how can I understand that? He gets up, talks with him, shares Jesus with him. The guy confesses Jesus as Lord, believes, repents, becomes a follower of Jesus, says, look, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? They go down into the water. Philip baptizes him. They come up out of the water, and all of a sudden, Philip's gone. Just like that mosquito. No. The word used there, harpazo, you don't need to know that. It means to snatch away, to just like, just to grab him away. So, so the Ethiopian eunuch saw him disappear, saw him get pulled away. Same word that's used in 1 Thessalonians 4 when it says Jesus is going to come and snatch us away. Same word that's used. So the, the, the guy then, he gets baptized and he's really happy about that. And all of a sudden, Philip disappears and here's what it said. The the eunuch did not see him again. Philip's gone. But the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. 
Philip, however, appeared at Azotos, um, traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip went back to work. It's like, how do you go back to work after something like that happens? He just went back and started doing his things. Um, and we, we don't know it. We don't know exactly what happened to this Ethiopian, how many amazing things happened. Many more amazing things happened to Philip. But this Ethiopian went back, and there's actually some stories about that that many of the people in his country got converted because of that. So that story about obedience, about somebody getting saved, about somebody just trusting Jesus and saying, you told me I need to be baptized, there's water, what's in the way? What does this mean for us today? What kind of takeaways are there for us today? I'm just going to list a couple of them. God might have a different one for you, but the first one is listen to God and His messengers, whoever they may be, listen because He will direct you. And even when you don't know everything yet, just start out. Take the first step. You say, but God didn't tell me the second step. So what? Take the first step. And He will continue to direct you. Sometimes... Another thing we learn is sometimes it takes effort to follow Jesus. I've never been asked by God to run up alongside a chariot and talk to somebody, but that takes effort. And what God asks you to do might take some effort. Another thing is listen for opportunities to share Jesus because they are all around you. Very few people are going to come up, and it happens, but very few are going to come up and say, I'm really hurting inside. I need Jesus. Can you share with me Jesus? They don't say that but they're hurting and they need hope and they need help and we need to, to sometimes just be more mindful and listen to opportunities to share Jesus. And then the more you're in the Word, the more you'll be able to recognize opportunities. Philip was able to share with him Jesus from the Old Testament because he was in the Word and studied that. And then another thing that is a takeaway from this is always, always, always bring it back to Jesus. Always. Because that's where the answers are. The answers aren't in church. The answers aren't in religion. The answers are in Jesus. But then there's this takeaway. If you have received Jesus and haven't yet been baptized since you received Jesus, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of you being baptized? If you've accepted Jesus... It doesn't say, but you didn't take the three-week class. It doesn't say that. (laughs) Philip got saved in the chariot, saw the water, says, look, there's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And Philip said, nothing, and just did it. You see, it's a step of obedience. Some people have not got the next step because they haven't taken the first step yet that Jesus asked them to do. And then another takeaway that's very important, when people, you or others, get baptized, rejoice like he did. It's a big deal to say, I'm standing for Jesus. It's not about me, it's about him. But we also need to remember that those amazing highs that we feel because of those kinds of things, things can and usually do go back to normal, or worse, afterwards, for a time. Let me ask you a couple questions. I need participation. I need a show of hands. How many of you have been baptized through Journey North Church? Can I see your hands? Look around. Isn't that exciting? In, in the last 10 years, there's been 245. That is just exciting. How many of you have made decisions for Jesus because of Journey North Church? Can I see your hands? 
Look at all those hands going up. How many of you have made recovery decisions through Journey North Church? Can I see your hands? All over the place. Now let me ask you this. After your baptism, or your decision to follow Jesus, or your commitment to Him, or your coming back to Him because of Journey in Our Church, after that thing that you had hoped would finally make sense of a life that didn't always make sense, how many of you have had a completely smooth road and a happily ever after? Can I see your hands? Oh, wait, there's no hands. <laughs> Mine's not really up. I was just showing you how to do it because it hasn't been my... Hasn't been my, um, the way I see things either. How many of you, anyone here, felt some pain and stress in life after some amazing things happened? What about um, burdened by, by financial stress? That's a biggie. Trapped in something you fear you can't get out. Unable to see what's coming next and living in fear. You see, if that's you, you're in really good company because that's most of us here. What happens is, the moment you receive Jesus, the moment you, you follow Him in baptism, the moment you obey what He's going to do, things don't go perfect after that. Philip ended up following Jesus to the end. He died because of following Jesus. And I can guarantee that right now, Philip would say, and I would not have it any other way than following Him. So, if you haven't received Jesus... If it's been church and religion for you, now's your chance. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that the Bible says I'm a sinner, but I know I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin has separated me from you, and I want that gone. I can't pay the price on my own. The wages of sin is death. Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross was for me. I believe that, and I don't just believe it. I receive it for myself asking you to be my Lord and Savior. If you do that right where you sit in your heart, you might have done that right this second, your life will never be the same. God will begin changing you from the inside out because that's all it takes to follow Jesus. So if you haven't received Jesus, today's your chance. If you have received Jesus, whether it was last week, last year, 10 years ago, or 30 seconds ago, if you have received Jesus and haven't yet been baptized, I would say, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of you being baptized? You can think of a whole bunch of excuses, but maybe that's the step. The only requirement is believing and receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up, and while they're coming back up, I'm going to ask you to do two things at once. You're going to be praising God, worshiping, thinking of the words, you're also going to be praying and asking if your next step should be baptism. Because maybe you haven't yet. And when, when we're done with this song, I'm going to come up and I'm going to, then I'm going to call those who are going to be baptized up. We have a, a really good list today, a lot of people, and maybe you're now on the list and you didn't know it when you came. So join us.